Good to see you all again. All your happy, uh, um, smiling faces. Uh, it's becoming a bit of a habit, this, isn't it? But it's been good to, good to see you. Although I hope you're ready for some Bible teaching tonight. We're going to get into the Bible. Lots of scriptures are coming your way as we look at part four of the first fruits, the idea of the first fruits in the, um, uh, a principle that was started in the Old Testament and comes through into the New Testament. But take a look at your screens for a minute. Some of you might notice or recognize the property that's up on the screen right now. It's the tithe barn or the old tithe barn in Garstang. And some of you, who's eaten there? Any recommendations? Oh, wow, yeah, quite a few. So, <clears throat> do you, recommendations? Is it any good? I might. I, I, I might take my wife there. Um, but uh, Sarah and I were driving past this, and I knew that I would be teaching on the tithe tonight. And, so, and I said, Sarah, Sarah, look, there's a tithe barn there uh, uh, here locally in, in, in Garstang. This was built in 1701. Uh, it was built to replace the old tithe barn that had been there for several hundred years. This was understood to be a practice, not just right across the UK, and quite a few of these, if you go on Google, Google, there's quite a few of these tithe barns right across the UK, but right across the Western world. <clears throat> because it was a common practice from, from the early church fathers in the first, second, and third century, right the way through to just recently, actually, that people would bring a tithe, a tenth of their income or their crops, uh, their first fruits to the church of God. And this is a post-medieval tithe barn uh, that people locally here would have used. A church practice right across church history. In fact, there's biblical history to it as well. We see and we hear mention of Abraham giving a tithe to Melchizedek 400 years before the Mosaic law. It was voluntary. It was by faith. It was the principle of the first fruits. It was a covenant connection. It was something that Abraham says, because of all the goodness that the Lord has placed in my life, I'm going you can't eat of because that's holy unto the Lord, set apart. You can eat of everything else, but you can't eat of that tree. It was a widespread practice. But eventually it became encoded into the Mosaic law. Uh, it was a practice that was no longer based on faith, no longer based on privilege, but it became a form of legalism. It wasn't about what you do by faith, but you had to do it now when it came into the Mosaic law. And, and, and they, they, they tithed to the degree of the mint and the seed, and they became very legalistic about it. It was no longer a covenant connection with God. But as we see in the Bible, post the cross, it goes back to the way Abraham had it. It was by his faith. It's voluntary. It's expressing that God is first place in your life. How many people remember the video from last week? when Joyce Parkinson was speaking on the video last week. 
And I picked something up, my ears picked up when I was listening to that amazing woman of God who's one of the pillars of this church. And she talked about how, they, uh, how a group of people came together. And this is what she said. She says, we had a common account and we gave both our tithes and our offerings. And we were able to plant Great Eccleston. And then eventually this church, Fullwood, was planted and built on the sacrifice of people's tithes and people's offerings. It was a common practice in Free Methodism and in Pentecostal churches and in Salvation Army and the list can go on and on and on and on. That people were putting God first with their finance. My mum and dad taught me at a very early age when I got my pocket money. First of all, a tenth, Ian, goes to the side there. What are you going to save, Ian? What are you going to put? You're going to put a tenth of the Lord. Now, what about your offerings, Ian? Not just the tithe, but also the offerings. They help me understand that everything that I receive, I put God first. So put your seatbelts on. It's Discipleship 101 tonight. We're going to have a look at this great truth that's in the Bible. If you're a visitor tonight, you're welcome. But I'm speaking to the members of this house in this church. You can, you, if, you, if you're a visitor, do teaching for you. But hopefully it will be a place of strength and a place of vitality for you as you renew your commitment and your strength and say, Lord, I'm still going to put you first with all that I do. But for some people, this might even be a new teaching. And this is the next stage on your discipleship as you learn to trust God in every area of your life, including your finances, and you decide, I'm going to put God first. But this is not always an area of a challenge for a pastor. I know pastors who haven't taught on this area for decades in their ministry. They're frightened of what people might say. They're worried about what people, how people might react. People get nervous and emotional about this. So we get into people's business if we talk about marriage, if we talk about relationships, if we talk about committing your time to the house of God, and especially if we start talking about finance and money. And so pastors want to back off. They want people to like them. They want to be liked. And therefore they say, no, no, we're not going to commit to teaching the whole counsel of God in every area of this. But I've made a decision that I'm going to teach what I believe the Bible teaches. And why? Why am I deciding to do that? Well, number one, I practice what I preach. I tithe and I give my offerings myself. I believe it's biblical. As, you, as many of you know, I, I, I'm not a pastor that spent all my career as a pastor. I've been working for uh, uh, BA Systems, a large organization, most of my career and most of my life. And I haven't always been a full-time pastor. You don't go into the ministry to get rich, do you? If, if you're planning on building wealth, then uh, let me suggest uh, don't step into being a pastor of, of a church. I took, I, I took, a, I took a, a drop to about a third of my present BA system salary. Why? Because of the call of God on my life. 
And that's why I'm able to stand here with boldness and be able to teach and speak about this subject. Sarah and I, over the years, as we've, as we've tithed and as we've given, we've been able to plant churches and fund churches and we're able to sow into many different areas. And it's been an absolute privilege. How many people know it's an absolute privilege? We get to sow. We get to step that I've been tested. I was tested. I, I continued the tithe. I remember even early on as, I was, as Sarah and I were courting, sitting on wooden veg boxes. Sarah remembers when I would go out to the back garden because none of my taps worked. And I would fill up the bucket, Sarah, remember. And I would have a mirror and I would shave from the cold water of the garden tap before I went into work. Even through the challenging times, I said, Lord, I'm still going to put you first. I'm still going to give my tithes and my offerings but Ian, what about the cost of living crisis? Don't you understand? Putting this investment series on during the cost of living crisis. That's exactly why we've put it on. So that God's people can know what God says about money and about finance. And about how to manage God's, the finance God's way. So in this series we... We uh, saw Ian Higginbotham talk about heavenly treasure. And then we saw Jason talk about the motives uh, of the heart. And we saw Dan talk about sowing and reaping last week. We reap what we sow. We reap later than we sow. And we reap more than we sow. So this week we're talking about first fruits. So what's the purpose of the tithe. Well, it's mentioned in Deuteronomy 14, verse 23. Deuteronomy 14, verse What's the purpose of the tithe? The purpose of, the tithe, of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. Isn't that simple? Isn't that straightforward? Isn't that specific? The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. I've got a question for you. Since the time of Deuteronomy and the time of that writing, has that changed? Do we not need to put God first in our lives anymore? Or is that principle still apply today? It's about putting God first in every area of your life. You see, God actually owns everything. God owns everything I have. I'm just the steward. I'm just the manager of what God has. One day, I'm going to let it all go. Everything will be passed on to another person. Daniel and Abigail are going to be so blessed. The test, if God said to you, I want you to give everything up. I want you to, everything is owned by me anyway. I want you to give it all up. And you say, oh, yeah, of course I will. Yeah, yeah, Ian, yeah, absolutely, I'll do it. If God tells me, I'll do it. I'm not, it's a challenge, isn't it? How do I know if I really will give it up? Well, you do know, because that's the purpose of the tithe. The purpose of the tithe is to put God first in every area of your life. What is the tithe? Well, it's the Hebrew word masas, and it simply means 10%. It's God's funding mechanism for his work. 
in the earth. It's the main way we finance this church. The way that this church has been financed in the past and continues to be financed is not from America. It's not from central office in, in, in the Free Methodist Church. It's from people giving their tithes and their offerings faithfully, week by week, month by month, is the way that this church... We don't fund it through bingos or raffles or any other kind of gimmicks. That's how we fund it. No one's going to run around checking up on anybody. We're not going to be that kind of church that brings manipulation. We're not talking about it every week. But it is part of the fundamentals of being a disciple of Jesus. And so we get the privilege, week in week, month in month, to put God first with our lives and with our finance through the tithe. The purpose of the tithe is to put God first. It's a reminder that God is the supplier of everything. It's also God's personal invitation to outpour his blessings on our lives together. I think there's three critical areas about discipleship. Three critical areas that we have to get right. What's called the time, the talent, and the treasure, sometimes known as the time. Putting God first with my time. We dealt with that in the devoted series that we ran. Putting God first with my relationships, how we serve people, my talent. We dealt with this in the I Am, I'm In series. Putting God first with my money. We're dealing with this in the Invest series. I want you to eyeball, if you've got the highlighter on your, on, your, on your phone, put the highlighter on the word all. How do you get tithe out of that, Ian? 10%. Well, simply this. Tithing is simply the indication that that's true in your life. The purpose of the tithe is to teach you always to put God first in your life. You see, if you're not able to put the tithe first, put God first with the tithe, then how can you know that that, tr that is true in your life? If you have a possession that God told you to give away and you couldn't give it away, then you don't possess it. It possesses you. You need to get the proper perspective of what the Bible teaches. When I tithe, when I set up a, a standing order and a direct debit to the ch local church that I'm committed to, if I've made £100 that week and I give £10 to God, I'm not giving God 10% of my money. I'm not giving God 10% of my money I'm, it's God letting me use 90% of his money. It's all his anyway. God's letting me keep 90% to freely enjoy. So I want to just want to look at seven reasons why I think it's important for us to focus on understanding the first fruits, putting God first, especially in the area of our finance and in our money. So number one, God commanded it. Listen to this in Leviticus 27 verse 10. A tenth of all you produce is the Lord's 
and it is holy. Once again, focus on the word holy. Set apart, sanctified. Just like the tree at the center of the Garden of Eden. That's unto the Lord. I mean, God could have said 90%, couldn't he? But he didn't. He said 10%. Set apart to the Lord. It's all his. But we set it apart. God is holy. And he, set, he asked us to set apart in every dimension of our, our lives to put him center, to sanctify Christ in our hearts by faith. We place him at center place. And that should say God commands it, Jesus commends it. Number three, tithing demonstrate that God is first place in our lives. This is the foundational scripture for our teaching tonight. The purpose of the tithe is to teach you always to put God first. I've noticed something. So many times I hear people say, I love Jesus, he's first in my life, we sing about it, we shout about it, we get emotional about it, but I know that God has placed two challenges on my life. He says, Ian, I only know if I could take a look at your schedule and I could take a look at your bank account, then I'll know whether you're first place in my life or not. What a challenge. But it's so so true. I, rem I remember uh, re we're doing the, um, Nick Gumbel has a, a reading every day. Um, and uh, in one of his readings, I remember being tremendously challenged when he says, you only really know if you're stakeholders in God's house, in your local church, is if you're able, is, is, is the time that you give your schedule and the money that you give from your own bank account. Number four, tithing reminds us that everything has been given to me by God. Deuteronomy 8.18, always remember that it is the Lord your God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So when I sit down every week and I just go online and I just check my online uh, bank accounts and I see the tithe going out, Every month, direct debit. When I moved from Saudi and I came here and I set up the, the um, standing order, it's always a reminder, every time, Lord, you own everything in my life. All the blessings that have poured into my life are from you. And this is me placing you first place in my life. Number five, tithing expresses my gratitude to God for the blessings he's done for me. This interesting scripture here in Psalm 116, verse 12. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? What a great question. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought that? How can I... 16, 17, that interesting scripture, Paul picks that up. In 1 Corinthians 16, 2. He, he quotes that very scripture in 1 Corinthians 16, 2. When he talks about that week by week we should bring a portion according to our income. Number six. This is, uh, uh, this is a great one. I love this one. Tithe is a test. 
tithe is a test. I was, um, I was looking at the uh, Life Church website, uh, 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 a pastor, uh, Pastor Greg Grishel. He's got a three-month tithe challenge in his church right now, and all the testimonies are pouring out of Craig Rochelle's church. People are taking on this three-month tithe because of this scripture that I'm just about to share with you right now, where God says, put me to the test. It's interesting for me that this isn't God putting you to the test. This is God saying, you put me to the test. I was just a couple of days ago, I was speaking to a, a free Methodist church pastor, um, uh, Johnny Leach. Just, uh, just, he pastors the church just up the road, and he's doing a PhD in Old Testament finances. PhD in Old Testament finances, you know, there's some interesting PhDs out there. And he said to me, the number 10, numerologically in the Bible, the number 10 is all about testing to test. The ten virgins, the ten commandments, the ten coins, it's all about test. And the tithe, the tenth, is all about the test. In Malachi 3.10, this is what God says, and it coming up on the screen, bring your whole tithe to my storehouse. Test me. Test me in this, saith the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and, and the vines in your fields will be protected from plague. It's interesting. This is the only challenge in the Bible where God says, Test me. I wonder why he said that. He could have said it in any other area of our lives, in relationships, any other area. God says, put me to the test in this area. But God chooses this and only this area to say, put me to the test. Put me first place in your finances. Put me first place on the 90%. Then me being responsible without God for running the whole 100%. And I've found that when I've put God to the test in this area, God's come through for me time and time again. And the days of standing up, sitting on the vegetable wooden boxes are a long way away. And God has continued to bless me so that I can be a blessing to other people and be able to sow seeds into major, major different ministries uh, Sarah and I, when we were over in Saudi Arabia, there was a Filipino pastor who went back to the Philippines and he started a church and he built an orphanage and we were able to help him finance that orphanage and he's feeding 60 orphans over there in the Philippines. Why? Because God blesses you in order to be a blessing to other people. That's the heart's desire that God has for you. And God says, put me to the test. I wonder why God chooses this area. Because so much of our lives revolve around money. So much of our revolves around money, making it, earning it, saving it, giving it, sharing it, spending it. So much revolves around money. And God says, test me in this and see will I not pour out a blessing for you on your life. 
Number seven, tithing proves that I really love God. It's not me that says that. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 to 8. I want you to be leaders also in the spirit of cheerful giving. You notice that? Leaders in the spirit of cheerful giving. So I wonder next time when, when, it, when, when it comes to uh, giving that we're going to get a woo from everyone right across the audience when we, when we pass the gift bags around. Yay! Wow, fantastic! We get the opportunity to give cheerfully. It's, a, it's part of our worship. It's part of my worship to God, putting him first, that I'm able to give. And it says, notice that you're going to be leaders in the spirit of cheerful giving. This is one way to prove that your love is real, that it goes beyond mere words. Oh, what a challenge. Isn't the Bible so challenging? Especially in some of these areas of our life. Notice, it's, notice this. It's not that... I'm going to put you first with my bank balance. And this is one way in which I show you how much I love you. Jesus says, if you love me, then you will obey my commandments. So I just want to just quickly look at the what, the where, and the when of tithing. And we're kind of done for, for, for tonight. What should I tithe? What should I tithe? The Bible makes it very clear that the first part of everything that I earn, every increase that comes into my life, all my income, I don't give God the leftovers after all the bills that I want paid and the car that I want and the clothes that I want and, 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 and the equipment that I want and then I give him the leftovers. No, it's the first fruits that I give to God. Proverbs 3 9 to 10, honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. Not just a part. Some people even say, well, Ian, the, Ian, the, the, the whole idea of first fruits is that you only give him the first part of what comes in. No, no, it's all your income, the Bible teaches. I remember when Sarah and I, when we were talking about getting married... And one of the things that we made a decision very early on in our married life together, before anybody else gets paid, before I get paid, before I get what I want, and I was big into lots of toys, you asked my wife, before I get what I want, before anyone gets what they want, before we pay any bills, we're going to put God first. We made that decision. And I don't regret it to this very day, putting God first. Sometimes it's been challenging. Sometimes when God asks me to give beyond the tithe, because that's what an offering is, tithes and offerings, tithes is 10%, but an offering is above the 10% I give freely by, um, as the Spirit of God speaks to me and I give freely into different projects. Sometimes it's a challenge for me when God says, Ian, I want you, and God will give me a, a set amount. And I says, Ian, I want you to give. And there's been times when Sarah and I come back. To, I mean, Sarah's got this huge, big, generous heart. I struggle, I'll be honest with you. I go to Sarah and I say, Sarah, I really think that there's, God's asking me to, 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 to give this amount to this particular pastor. 
who was a pastor of the Isle of Wight, you remember? Every time the Lord has been good to, to us. Where, so, so, what should I tithe? All of my income. Where should I give my tithe? Well, the Bible's also very clear about where I should give my tithe. It's very specific. The tithe should go to the place where I worship. The, t- the tithe goes to the place where I'm fed, where I'm taught, spiritually speaking. Malachi 3.10, bring your whole tithe into my storehouse. In the Old Testament, the place of worship and teaching was the temple. And the storehouse was part of the temple. In the New Testament, it's called the synagogue or it's called the church. And the tithe goes to the place where you're fed and the place, your local house, where you're worshipped, where you come under biblical eldership authority in a, and you place yourself accountable in a local body where you're being fed by the Bible and you're being spiritually nurtured and where you're worshipping the God of heaven in a local community, that's where you place your tithe. Sarah and I give to lots of other charity or, or, or organizations down through the years, but we don't give the tithe. We support many other organizations and the Spirit of God places, uh, uh, places uh, uh, a figure on our heart to give into this ministry or to, to give in to, into that situation, but not the tithe. The tithe is to the Lord to go to his house so that there is meat, substance in God's house. There's a whole load of different myths that you find circulating in different churches around giving and tithing. I need to have a vision, Ian. Have you heard that one? I need to see, I need a vision before I can give. Don't get me wrong. I think vision's important. I think people do give towards vision. If they're inspired by vision, I believe people give towards vision. But if we're, if we're mature Christians, if we know the Bible, you don't need a vision. You just need to hear and understand God's word and obey it. And you bring your tithes and offerings to the storehouse. Heard this one. I need to agree with everything that the leadership says and does. Let me tell you now, you're not going to agree with everything that I say and do over the next couple of years, okay? You might not like my hairstyle. You might not like the style of my preaching. You might not like my jeans. Do you like the E? If you put God to the test, will he not bless your life? I want to control where the tithe goes. (laughs) I've heard this one so many times. I want to control where the tithe goes. It's not yours. It's God's. And there's been times in my life that Sarah and I have discussed and, 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 and we're, we're giving the tithe and there's been times when I, um, in, in the early times of our marriage where we, where we would say, you know what, we, we've got this tithe but maybe we could do this for God over here. Or, or maybe we could, we, could, we could buy a whole load of teaching uh, CDs or, or Bibles. And No, that's not for me to decide what happens with the tithe. It's not for me to decide what happens to the tithe. They brought it to the apostles' feet. They left it there. I don't control the tithe. I have to let it go. 
and I have to trust godly leadership in the house. If you can't trust godly leadership and you can't submit to godly leadership, you've got to ask yourself the question, are you in the right house? Because we need to be able to do that. <clears throat> well, I don't want to give a tithe, and because it's not mentioned in the New Testament, that's another one that I've heard floating around. Well, first of all, it is mentioned in the New Testament. In Matthew, we've already quoted some of these all right tonight. It's mentioned in Hebrews, where they brought a tithe to a type of Christ, Melchizedek. It's mentioned in 1 Corinthians 16, 2. I could go on and go on. But even if it wasn't mentioned in the New Testament, that's just simply an argument from silence. That's all that is. It's not mentioned in the Old Testament. In, in the New Testament, but it is mentioned in the Old. Why assume that the practice has ceased if it's not mentioned there? I'm a continuist. I'm not a cessationist. I believe that this practice, like Abraham, freely, from his heart, putting God first, not legalistically under the law, but by grace, he says, Lord, I'm always going to give you the first fruits of what you have given me. Even if it wasn't mentioned in the New Testament as, a, as, as a, a, a practice freely given by New Testament believers, I can't find a prohibition scripture to show that it ceased. What do I mean by that? Every dimension of our lives. Of course, I understand. I understand that, there's, that, that there will be different pastors that you can find on YouTube that will disagree with me. I understand that. But I don't think there's any Bible scholars that I know of who even disagree with me on this that would ever say, ever say that we should not be generously and regularly giving to God's house, God's local house, that we have the privilege of being part of and being members of his family. I don't know any scholars who might even disagree with me on this who would say that in the light of Jesus' sacrifice, should we be giving less than 10% of our income, given the Old Testament backdrop? What about when then? When should we give the tithe? The Bible, once again, is clear. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. On the first day of every week, set aside some of what you have earned and give it as an offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. Wow. First day of the week, Sunday. That's the day when we come to worship God in God's house. The first day of the week. Notice, notice this is tithe terminology. This is covenant terminology. This isn't saying, oh, as the Spirit of God leads you. That's not what it's saying. It's saying the amount should be dependent on what the Lord has helped you earn. Covenant language, regular and weekly. I wonder in this house, we don't get an opportunity, and I was talking to Pastor Ian about this uh, the other day, we don't really have an opportunity each week to remember putting God first as a local community here. In Fullwood, we go through weeks and weeks, and we go through services and services, and 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 
Acknowledging God first in the, in the area of finance is not acknowledged in our services. I know we have a box at the back, but I wonder, is there a moment, even if it's just a short prayer after worship where we say, Lord, thank you for all the blessings that you've placed in my life. And Father, I thank you for all the people that have given in this house, and I pray that you continue to open the windows of heaven and continue to pour out a blessing on their life. An acknowledgement each week, that's what it says here. An acknowledgement each week, you're not able to give 10%. But let me encourage you a little bit more. Ian, my faith isn't there. I, I understand what you're saying, but I, I'm just not there yet, Ian. Please. And you might want to say the prayer that was prayed in the New Testament, Lord, I trust you, but help my unbelief. I, I, I'm just kind of struggling. I, I just can't even give 10% on a regular basis to the house of God that God's allowed me to become a member of his family in. Well, maybe I, I, I want to encourage you. Start where you can. Start building it up. If it's not £100 a month, maybe £70 a month, maybe £50 a month, maybe £25 a month. I don't know where it is, but start somewhere and make that commitment to God's house that we are members of how we give is so important and the attitude that we give with is so important the bible says that we should be cheerful givers the bible says that we should give with all willingness of heart be a joyful giver and give with expectation I want to leave you with one more scripture. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 5. And I think this is the key. This is the key to giving. This is the key to giving the tithe. They first gave themselves to the Lord. They first gave themselves to the Lord. If God's got me and God's got my heart, then he's got my wallet. He's got my bank account. But if he doesn't have my heart, then he doesn't have anything in my life. I just want each, as the worship band come up, I just want every head to be bowed, please. Because I want to pray a prayer with you. I know that it's, I finish off this series with a tremendous challenge to our lives. I've laid down foundational teaching from the Word of God in the area of finance. For some people, this may be new. For other people, it's an affirmation of what you've trusted in pleasing you than having possessions and having stuff. I want you to have first place in my life and I am willing to do that even in the area of my finances out of gratitude for all you've done for me and in expectation that you will continue to provide for me I commit myself to giving you the first fruits I want you first in my life Jesus 
I want you to begin, I want to begin investing for eternity. Help me, Lord, to overcome the inner challenges. Help me, Lord, to overcome the inner fear of letting go. And help me, Lord, to trust you in this vital area of giving you first place. In Jesus' name. Amen. So as I mentioned at the beginning, hopefully you've got one of these little hearts in your hand or sat with you now. And as you can see on the table here, um, there's three baskets. And as Ian was saying before, there's, I think for each and every one of us in some way, there's a way that we can respond with our heart tonight. And we just wanted as we go into another time of worship of just offering you a way to respond, a symbol to respond to maybe what you've heard tonight or maybe what God's been challenging over the last couple of months as we've gone through the Devoted series or the I'm In series of where do you need God to do some work in your heart or what is your heart response tonight? So here we've got, we've got a clock. Maybe the area you want God to do something for you, with you is in your heart is about your time and, and how you give of your time to God. Or maybe for you is there's a, there's a pair of hands that are open in our relationships with one another. How am I serving others? God, will you give me a heart that seeks to love others rather than having hands that are just tense? Maybe even wanting to get like either Ian or myself to pray with you, to see some breakthrough and pray a breakthrough into areas of your life that you know are hardened to him tonight. Or maybe that's a little bit too much and you still like to receive prayer. There'll be members of the prayer team down at either side. Or even if coming up to the front is too much for you, there'll be members of the prayer team at the back ready and willing to pray with you. We don't need to know details. We're just here to pray that you can be all that God wants you to be tonight. So we're going into a time of praise and worship now. Each of us in some way makes a response in what we do in these moments. <laughs> 